our church. You know, we're unique. We're kind of unique for the county. Uh, we are multi-grouped. We have people from Iowa. We have people from Nebraska when they can get across. Uh, they still check in. They still help. They still do things via email, via lots of things. Um, we have people from Missouri. We have all areas in the county. We reach out. We've kind of become more of a regional church. We're not just a one-town church, a local church. And I would dare say that most people in here didn't, were not raised Southern Baptist. No question about that. That's not a bad thing at all. It really isn't. Because you see, it's not about what denominational tag we have. It's about representing Christ. And if God is at work here, then join Him here. And you and I see that. And I think that's one of the reasons somebody said, well, why is your church been in a growth pattern for a while because you know churches go through that cycle I mean I've been here in my, I'm in my 25th year you know uh, and so it, it is that kind of way uh, we go up and down and around and we've been on kind of a growth pattern and a, we've broken through some barriers and hung here and part of it is this word I think and here's the word I want you to think about one word that comes to mind that it should be indicative of all Christian churches is the word of love you might say, okay, fellowship, friendliness. I mean, those words may have popped in your head. But which one word? It would be the word of love. You see, our church should be a church of love. Our world needs to see churches that have genuine love for people. Not bashing them with the Bible, not sticking their finger in their eyes, not screaming and yelling but caring and loving like Jesus did. It doesn't mean you, you give up what you believe and where you stand. Jesus didn't. He says to the people, you look at how Jesus dealt with. The only people Jesus ever got angry with was the religious authorities. The regular folk, he just said, this is what it is, come follow me, and walks away. And sometimes it's hard for us to get to understand is that Jesus says, just do this. Now, here's an interesting thing, too, for me to understand. We're going to look today at John chapter 4, so if you have your Bibles, 1 John chapter 4 today, we're going to look at verses 7 and 10. Um, an interesting thing for me when I read this, I find it a bit ironic, we're talking about love. When I think of John, if I say John the Apostle, many of you would say fisherman. Um, James and John were brothers. Um, they followed Jesus. John and love would not be two words that would have equated with him early in his ministry at all. Uh, in fact, Jesus calls them in the Greek, Bonerges. So I thought, you know, what it literally means is sons of thunder. Loudmouths. Radicals. Those that... <clears throat> guys, take it down a notch. You know, they're the ones that want to call fire down from heaven, remember? They're the ones that want to get in everybody's face when they're younger. They're the ones that want to, to be loud and boisterous and radically change. Rough around the edges. And yet, John's the last apostle to be alive that walked with Jesus. I guess if you call Paul an apostle, would be there too. But John, of the originals, is the last one to die. 
And in his latter years, he writes these books. And so we see a man who has lived a life with Christ and how he has been transformed in his own life. And that's what I want you to grab today even too, is the same John you read about in the beginning was the word. In the Gospel of John, it's the same John just transformed by a life of Christ. The same son of thunder, the same radical uh, one that runs to the tomb that actually beats Peter to the tomb, remember? The one that, that does all these things when you read the Gospels is now the disciple of love and compassion. Because of his close relationship with Christ, he experienced real love and real compassion and genuine love. Guys, genuine love cannot be defined by the world's standards. Much that we express today as love doesn't even represent what God intends for love to stand for. Genuine love fits in biblical standards for love. So we're going to look at some of those today and throughout the rest of this chapter, verse, chapter 4 of First John. So today we're going to look at delivered in love. So join with me now and look at verse 7. We're going to look at the counsel to love. Counsel to love. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. For whoever loves has been born of God and knows of God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Now here we discover that counsel to love one another. John doesn't just simply offer this because it's socially acceptable. It's something that we do. You know, we do things because it's socially acceptable. We do things because we, we are expected to. Even in our culture here today, we're expected to dress a certain way. I mean, we're not, not as bad. I shouldn't say it's bad. There was a day that there was a dress code when you came to church. Now, if I came in shorts and a t-shirt, some of you would not be offended. They would say, oh, what ugly legs. I understand that. But some of you would say, hey, that's cool. He's just like me. And others would say, I can't believe my preacher is in the pulpit looking like that. I know there are people that still tell me, boy, you know, I just wish you'd wear that tie. You know, like, like we had baptism, like we have Easter, like we have Christmas, and I'm, I'm dressed up. Oh, you sure look good today. I wish you'd be like that every Sunday. And I'm thinking, you can keep on wishing. My mom will wish that all my life. And, and you know, growing up in the South, that was, that was the way it was. In fact, one of the, one of the guys that I admired as a pastor in Popper Bluff growing up, he mowed his yard in white long sleeve shirts and dress pants. I think he eventually put on tennis shoes to mow when he got older. There's a guy in his 70s and 80s push mowing on hot days. You know, can you imagine? I, it just, ugh. I mean, in my brain, that was his, that's who he was. And he lived that life. Now, if you look at life and you see those things, it's not about how we dress, what we do. It's what is within us. That's what I, the point I'm trying to get to here that I want us to understand. Beloved, let us love one another. John doesn't simply offer this because it's acceptable socially. It's biblically expected. God wants us to love one another, not because it's cool, because it's a thing to do, because it's the right thing to do according to Scripture. It's a, it's, it's a command that we love one another. First, look at the submission and love. Beloved... First part of verse 7 there, beloved, let us love one another. The submission in love, it, it's a simple statement. As children of God, we are expected to love one another. Now, I've met some folks who claim to have Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Apparently, they didn't get the memo of what love looks like. And you and I can see them around all the time on TV. And in our world today, people try to find the radical extremes of every group. 
and put that up on the screens and put that up in the news and say, this is the normal way Christians behave. This is the normal way those outside the box think. This is the normal way the liberals think. This is the normal way conservatives. We go to the extremes just so whatever. You know, a church should be marked by the love of God. We have to stand on our, you know, there are mountains worth dying on, but not everything's a mountain worth dying on. Okay, there are some things, it really doesn't matter in the long run. 50 years from now, 10 years from now, it does not matter. You know, you may not like the color of this carpet. We had people who didn't like the color of this carpet. I don't know how, Mackenzie, how long you guys been married? Did we could put this in, we put this in about when you guys got married, right? Yeah, so about 14, 15 years, right? How you put the carpet in down there, which is no longer there when you got It's funny how you remember things like that when you've been in a long-term church. Okay, when did we do that? Well, let's see. And I just remember that because, oh, we've got to get it done before you guys got married and get it cleaned up. The trustees were all worried about it. You, you don't even remember that. You, you were so bouncing off the walls, you didn't even know. Ah, you did a good one. You know, so we look at those things. 15 years. Hmm. It had a 20-year life. Oh, my goodness. That means we've got five, maybe ten years being good Baptist to run this in. What are we going to do again? And, oh, by the way, that beautiful gold you're sitting on was purchased in, what, 74? When did the pews come in? Some of you old timers. Johnny, when, or Gary, Johnny, I'm looking. When did the pews get here? Do you remember? Before you. All right. Teresa, um, do you remember when the pews got in? Okay, I didn't do that wedding, so. The early 70s. So, guess what? Those few colors you're setting on have not been changed since the early 70s. Hey, they're actually coming back in style now. Did you know that? Things are coming cycles. But we are to love one another. You know, be the kind of people that people don't say, that's, that's not a Christian I want to be like. John doesn't say to love when we feel like it or when we think it's deserved. He doesn't say love those who agree with our position. He doesn't ask us to love only those within our circle of influence or our tribes or whatever you want to call. But we are to love one another, even those we disagree with. I'm convinced that that applies to our love for all peoples, not just our Christian brothers and sisters. I think he's, he's pushing that as well. Especially those within the body of Christ we are to love. Jesus revealed that this is the second greatest commandment. Remember, Jesus said, boy, when the scribe and the Pharisee tried to trick Jesus, hey, Lord, what's the greatest commandment? I, I know all the commandments. You just tell me what the greatest is, and I'll have an argument. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. He said, and the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. We are to love our neighbor as ourselves. We need to show love to one another. Pretty simple. Beloved, love one another. Look at the source now. The submission, the source of love, part of verse 7, for love is from God. As an average biblical reader, we kind of figured out, okay, yeah, love's from God. But do any of us fully comprehend its depth? Love is of God. It's one of the great character traits of God. It, it reveals part of his very essence. It he possesses love that offers <laughs> love to all. Since God possesses love and the distributor of love, we cannot truly love apart from a right relationship with God. 
Much of what's described in our world is not love at all. It's at least in a biblical sense. It's, it's what the world calls love. You know, love is a commitment. Love is a choice. Oh, well, I fall in and out of love. Well, you can fall in and out of feelings. You can't fall in and out of commitment, guys. Love as God loves. You know, I think that no wonder our world's in such bad shape today. I, I, there's so much violence. There's so much neglect. Why is there no generosity and compassion for the most part? We don't see that amongst the world in, as a whole. It's simple. Many lack the genuine love of God. There's so much turmoil in, in our churches. Not ours so much, but other churches you've been around or other denominations you can just read about it. There's so much anger and bitterness towards our brothers and sisters. Even Southern Baptists are into some of that craziness now of the extreme groups. We cannot love as God does and have self-consumed, self-righteous attitude. Genuine love would solve the majority of the problems we encounter today. But consider the significance of love. Look at the last part of verse 7 there. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. John reveals that one of the characteristics possessed by true believers is to be possessed in the presence of love. We have the presence of love in our lives if we truly know God. It doesn't mean we get, we'll get mad and we don't show love all the time, but in the most part it's there. Those, those who love as God wants us to are born of Him and know Him. Our love for one another is a genuine mark of our salvation. Shouldn't come as any surprise. 